Shirts fans to episode number 92 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. And as I am recording this, it is Tuesday morning. The Rangers are on a two-game losing streak. They've had some injury issues lately with Igor Shesterkin and Chris Kreider, both out of the lineup in recent games. Both of the losses came at the hands of the Philadelphia Flyers, the hated Flyers. Henrik Lundqvist struggled in his last outing. The defense struggled in the Rangers' last game. And Ryan Strom got benched in the last game. So there's a lot of uh, you know negativity right now. And it's nothing the Rangers can't work their way out of. It is just a two-game losing streak after all. But I thought we needed a little bit more positive vibes on this episode here today. And this is an episode that I've been looking to do for a while now. It's going to be a two-parter, in fact. We are going to take a look at the best moves that Jeff Gorton has made since taking over as the Rangers' general manager in 2015. And I thought about how we could do this. There's a couple different ways. Do we do top five? Do we do top 10? Do we do one episode? Do we do two episodes? And I think the way that I finally have settled on here is that we're going to do the top eight moves by Jeff Gorton since he became the Rangers GM. We're going to split this into two episodes. Should work out pretty nicely here. Of course, Jeff Gordon once again took over as the Rangers general manager in 2015, replacing Glenn Sather. Glenn Sather had a long tenure as the Rangers GM. He was there from 2000 until 2015. And obviously, you know, Sather knocked it out of the park with a lot of his moves. He whiffed on a couple of his moves as well. I suppose when you're there for 15 years, you're going to get a little bit of both. And, you know, maybe sometime in the future, it's worth even doing an episode on Glenn Sather. But for now, we're going to keep this focus on Jeff Gorton. And like like I said, these are going to be the top eight moves that Jeff Gorton has made as the Rangers general manager. And today we're going to be looking at number eight through five. We're going to do a little countdown. We might throw some honorable mentions in there at the end. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and start here with number eight. And this is one that just happened about a week ago. Trading Brady Shea to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a first-round draft pick. And I know this is a deal that just happened, and we haven't really had time to fully analyze uh, what the return is going to be because obviously next year's draft has not happened yet. So we don't know who the Rangers are going to select in the draft with the draft pick that was acquired from the Hurricanes in this deal. And that's what prevents this from ranking maybe a little bit higher on the list. But I was really impressed with this move because Brady Shea is a player who, like we've talked about on this podcast, had kind of plateaued in recent seasons. He just really hadn't been getting that much better. He was a decent player, but very inconsistent. Certainly a guy who belongs in the NHL. You know, he's got his place in the NHL. But right now, the Rangers on the NHL roster have four defensemen who I believe are better than Brady Shea. Brady Shea had a, a pretty big contract, too. You know, I, I thought maybe he was a little bit overpaid relative to his production on the ice. And so it just made sense for the Rangers to make this move, especially when you consider that they've got some young prospects on the way. Keandre Miller and Niles Lundqvist, both former first-round draft picks. you got to make room for them. So to me, this was a deal that just made too much sense not to do. And for Jeff Gordon to swing this move at the zero hour, very impressive because I have no doubt that a lot of the reason that we see all these moves happening on deadline day, you know, all these trades go down 
really to the last hour, the last couple of hours, maybe sometimes the last couple of minutes, the last couple of seconds. The reason this happens so often is because these teams just get into staring contests with each other and nobody wants to blink and nobody wants to, you know, back down from what they're asking for in a trade. And both sides are looking to sweeten the deal just a little bit for for their team before they pull the trigger on a trade. And on deadline day, obviously time starts to run out and these teams need to make concessions, they need to make compromises, and they need to just find a way to get a deal done. And I don't know how long that Gorton and the Rangers had been talking to the Canes about Brady Shea. It's possible that this had been going on for a couple of weeks. It's possible that maybe it just sprung up the last day or two before the trade deadline. The Rangers and Gorton as well, they tend to play things pretty close to the vest and credit to them for doing that. I think that gives you a little bit of leverage when other teams are, you know, when other teams don't really know what you're going to do at the deadline. You know, you kind of remain something of an enigma. You make it kind of a mystery to other teams exactly what you're thinking, and you just don't show your cards too often. But yeah, I mean, this was a trade that really just kind of came out of nowhere. And in fact, I didn't see this trade even get reported until after the deadline had passed. And this does happen from time to time, whether it's hockey or any other sport. You know, the deadline will be approaching and the deadline will hit. And then in the minutes that follow, you know, the 10, 15, 20 minutes that follow, you'll see some of these other deals start to get reported. Because, again, a lot of these deals, they really do go down to to the last minute, the last second. And so kudos to Jeff Gorton. Again, I don't know how long him and the Rangers were working on this deal with the Hurricanes. But bottom line, they got it done. They got it done at the zero hour. They got a first-round draft pick in exchange for Brady Shea, which I think they already win the trade in doing that. First-round pick for Brady Shea sounds pretty nice to me. But then beyond all that, you've got the cap space that opens up. You've got a roster spot that opens up that eventually is going to need to go to either Niles Lundqvist or K. Andre Miller, you would think. You've got a chance to move Bre- – this one's not as important as the other ones. But you've got a chance to move Brennan Smith from forward back to his normal position of a defenseman. I just think it was a fantastic trade for the Rangers. They continue to kind of rebuild without, you know – giving up on this season. They stockpile another draft pick. They bring in another first-round draft pick that they can use in the draft this season coming up, but they didn't do anything to cripple the team this season that's going to, you know, just wreck their chances of possibly making the playoffs. So, yeah, I was a huge fan of this trade. It's only number eight on this list because we don't know how it's going to shake out in the long term. This trade just happened, and we don't even know who the Rangers are going to take with that first-round draft pick and if he's going to work out with them long-term. We will see. But yeah, I really like the move. It's just a classic case where there were just too many reasons to do this trade to not do this trade. And and I just I just think that to get a first-round draft pick in exchange for Brady and to do it when the pressure was on and, and time was running out on the trade deadline, just a great move by Jeff Gorton and company here. So yeah, number eight on the list, trading Brady Shea to the Hurricanes for a first-round draft pick. Okay, the number seven move of the Jeff Gorton general manager era is going to be re-signing Chris Kreider to a new seven-year contract. And again, same thing with the Brady Shea deal. This one would probably be a little bit higher on this list if we knew exactly how it was going to work out. It was a tough one to rank, but I do love this deal. You guys know if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time that I've been firmly in the keep Chris Kreider camp. And Again, it's hard to rank this one because it just happened. The ink still hasn't dried on the new contract, but I, for one, am absolutely thrilled that Chris Kreider is going to remain with the Rangers going forward. And he's going to be doing so at what I would consider a fair price for both sides. You know, Kreider really deserved to get paid, and 
I really don't think this is a situation where Kreider tried to squeeze every dime he could out of the Rangers. He wanted to be here in New York. He was amicable to signing a long-term deal and sticking with the Rangers rather than, you know, trying to use leverage and just squeeze every possible dime out of them that he possibly could. And, you know, he forewent free agency and give Chris Kreider credit, but give Jeff Gorton credit here as well because this is the first sort of here and now move that he has made since becoming the general manager. And what I mean by that is this is the first time the Rangers have made a move under Jeff Gorton that didn't seem to be aimed exclusively at the future. Now, look, this is a seven-year contract, so obviously the Rangers did this with one eye looking at the future, but they also did it with one eye looking at the present here because the Rangers wanted to keep Chris Kreider around and give the Rangers a chance to complete this playoff march that they've been on ever since the All-Star break. Now, obviously... Chris Kreider's run into some bad luck here. He got sick right after signing the contract, and now he's out with an injury. But I do give Jeff Gordon a lot of credit for not just mindlessly continuing to just move veteran players away in exchange for prospects and draft picks. Prospects and draft picks are great, but at some point, I think a guy like Chris Kreider, a guy who could be in the running to be your next captain, becomes more valuable to your team than a prospect or a draft pick that may or may not work out in the long term. You got to have at least a couple veterans in the room. And I think this team has definitely missed Kreider since he's been out with this injury here. And I just think he was more important to this team than, you know, a, a draft pick that may not even make his NHL debut next season or even the season after that. Just my opinion, but I do give Gordon a lot of credit here for kind of going against the grain to what the Rangers had been doing in the last couple of trade deadlines because the last two years, man, it was basically fire sale 1.0, fire sale 2.0, and I think a lot of us Ranger fans had a feeling that this team might be going toward fire sale 3.0, and obviously the Rangers made that a little bit trickier for management when they went on that post-All-Star break run that they had, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the way the Rangers have done business the last few years, you kind of could figure that Chris Kreider and a lot of other guys could be at the door, but give Jeff Gorton credit for, you know, understanding the game of hockey. It has a pulse, man. You know, it's not all about analytics and everything. He recognized how important Chris Kreider is to that locker room, kind of acting as a big brother type to a lot of his teammates. And again, someone who could very well be in the running to be the next Ranger captain as soon as next season. But credit to Gorton also for not overpaying for Chris Kreider, because again, I think this is a really fair deal for both sides, but if you're in that position, it would be easy, you know, especially as, as you're getting down to the final hours before the trade deadline here, it would have been easy to kind of make an overpayment and, and give Chris Kreider more money than maybe you should because, you know, Chris Kreider, he got a nice deal here, uh, $6.5 million average annual value, and great for him. He absolutely deserves it, but I don't think if you're the Rangers GM that signing Chris Kreider for a deal worth 8500000 or $9 million or $9.5 million would have been a very smart thing to do. That would have been a little bit of an overpayment. So again, credit to Gorton for for hanging in there, for going through all this, all these hours, what I'm sure was, you know, trying to come up with a deal that was fair for both sides. And again, they get it done on trade deadline day and they do not weaken the Rangers in the short term and they make them stronger in the long term because Chris Kreider is going to be here for seven years. He's still just 28 years old. He's got a lot of very good seasons left in the tank and just looking forward to seeing Chris Kreider remain a Ranger for all that time. And we have Jeff Gordon to thank for that. Again, didn't overpay, stayed firm, but got the job done and recognized how important Chris Kreider is to this team. Moving on to the number six best move in the Jeff Gordon era, it's going to be a trade that sent Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for Tony D'Angelo in a first round pick. 
Now, this trade occurred in the offseason on June 23rd, 2017, and it was a deal that was kind of born out of necessity because the Vegas Golden Knights were about to enter the league, and they were all but guaranteed to take Antti Ranta in the expansion draft. You need a goalie, they were probably going to take Marc-Andre Fleury and Antti Ranta. That's where the smart money was. And there was a rule in the NHL that every team could only protect one goalie. The Rangers were going to protect Henrik Lundqvist from the expansion draft, and so that meant that Antti Ranta was going to be exposed. So rather than just sit around on their hands and do nothing and just wait to lose Ranta for nothing, Gorton and the Rangers were very proactive in this situation and they trade him to the Arizona Coyotes, like we said, along with Derek Stepan, in exchange for Tony D'Angelo and a first-round pick. Ronta's stock was very high at this time. He had played very well as the Rangers' backup for the last two seasons. Really kind of flashed some serious potential there and was still relatively young at the time, I believe about 27 years old or so. So, yeah, it would have been a slam dunk that the Knights would have taken him in the expansion draft. So again, Gorton really got ahead of the situation here, pretty much just figured, well, I'm going to lose this guy anyway, let's go ahead and get something for him instead, and that's exactly what he does. Now this move overall, I do have to point this out, it does lose a couple of points simply because the Rangers, with that first round draft pick, guess who they took? Yeah, Leas Anderson, and... To put it very mildly, that has not worked out thus far. I suppose you never know. Look, Leah Anderson's still really young. Maybe it's possible that sooner or later, eventually, somewhere down the road, he becomes at least a decently productive player for the Rangers. But I don't know. The, the way things have gone, it, it's just kind of hard to envision that happening. But D'Angelo really been enjoying a breakout season for the Rangers He's got 13 goals and 36 assists in 63 games, 18 of his points occurring on the power play, so he's been invaluable as a member of the power play unit, this power play unit that has played so well recently. And again, just a guy who does a little bit of everything for the Rangers. He brings a lot of fire to the rink. He's got great speed for a defenseman. I know he was definitely kind of a raw product when the Rangers got him, but I think his defensive game has definitely improved over these last couple of seasons with the Rangers. And one of the biggest reasons that this move makes the list and ranks, you know, as high as it does at number six here is because Tony D'Angelo was a fairly unheralded player when Jeff Gorton went out and got him. Now, he was a former first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He went number 19 overall back in 2014, and he since moved on to the Arizona Coyotes, but he only played 39 games with the Coyotes. That all happened in the 2016-2017 season. He only had five goals and nine assists, so he hadn't really done a whole lot at the NHL level, but Gorton went out, and he got his man here. You know, he, he saw an opportunity to buy low on a guy that he believed was very, very talented, and it has worked out great for the Rangers. Again, it took a little while for him to kind of get going with the Rangers. He was kind of up and down a little bit from the AHL the first season there in 2017-2018, but he's become a fixture on the Ranger blue line. He is a restricted free agent at the end of the season, and just fingers crossed that the Rangers can get something done with Tony D'Angelo because this is a situation where the Rangers really kind of found a diamond in the rough here. Yes, he was a former first overall draft pick, but he had not yet lived up to that considerable hype at the time. He was very young. You know, the Rangers, when they acquired him, I believe he was just 21 years old. He's just 24 years old now, and you just keep your fingers crossed that the Rangers can get something done with him in the offseason, keep him in the fold for a lot of seasons going forward. And give Gorton credit as well for being willing to move on from two popular Rangers and two guys who would play very well for the Rangers. Uh, Derek Stepan, 
you know, a big part of a lot of those deep Ranger playoff runs. He was typically centering the second line. I'll never forget the Game 7 against the Washington Capitals. That game went into overtime, and he just hammers a shot home. I believe it was a one-timer, and he beats Braden Holpe with that shot and sends the Rangers to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just just a fantastic moment by Stepan. One of many great moments for Stepan. Stepan really was a great player, a very likable player when he was on the Rangers, and ditto for Antti Ranta. I mean, for my money, the two years that Ranta was with the Rangers, show me a better backup goalie in the NHL. I, I really think he might have been the absolute best backup goalie that there was in this league. And to move on from both of those guys, Ranta, it's a little bit easier because he was going to be lost in the expansion draft anyway. So the expansion draft really kind of forced the Rangers' hand, kind of forced the Rangers to make this move. But Stepan, a very popular player, a very uh, likable player, and someone who was just rock solid for this team for a lot of years. But I do have to be honest here, you know, neither one of them has exactly set the world on fire since moving to the Arizona Coyotes. Stepan in his first year with the Coyotes produced some very Stepan-esque kind of numbers. He skated in 82 games and had 14 goals and 42 assists, so 56 points in 82 games, uh, about the same level of production that the Rangers were getting from him over the years. But these last two years, it just hasn't really gone his way. In the last two years combined, he has played 139 games. He has 25 goals and 37 assists in that time. So what is that? That's... 52 points in 139 games. I mean, that's okay, but it's basically a third-line center level of production. So, yeah, to get Tony D'Angelo, who looks like he's just going to continue to get better and better, I think this is a big win for the Rangers here. And again, give him credit. The centerpiece of this trade for Jeff Gorton was a defenseman who hadn't really proven much of anything at the NHL level, and he had to get rid of two popular Rangers to do it. Definitely a nice move by Jeff Gorton here. That's why it ranks number six on the list. Moving on to number five. And that's going to be the trade that sent Rick Nash to the Boston Bruins in exchange for Ryan Lindgren, Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky, a 2018 first-round draft pick, and a 2019 seventh-round draft pick. This is a trade that occurred on February 25, 2018, right at the trade deadline. The Rangers actually ended up trading each of those two draft picks that they acquired in this deal to other teams. But nevertheless, to get three players and two draft picks— including a first-rounder, in exchange for a rapidly declining Rick Nash. That was quite the haul for the Rangers. Now, it hasn't really worked out with Bolesky. I don't think the Rangers saw him as, like, you know, this massive get in this trade. Uh, He's only skated in five games with the Rangers. None of those have happened this year, and he is still on the Hartford Wolfpack, despite being 31 years old. So basically, Bolesky, just organizational depth for the Rangers. But the one guy who definitely has worked out in this trade is Ryan Lindgren. And even if you're not quite as bullish on Lindgren as I am, you know, anybody, again, who's listened to this show, you guys know that I'm a big fan of Ryan Lindgren. I think it's almost impossible to look at this trade, for anyone to look at this trade, and not feel like the Rangers won it in a landslide. So a great job by Jeff Gorton there, moving on from Rick Nash early enough where they could actually still get something for him in return. And what we got is an exciting young defenseman in Ryan Lindgren. He's someone who has gotten better and better as the season has progressed. He kind of just forced his way onto the NHL roster, you know, after starting the season briefly in the AHL. And kind of just an old-school throwback player. And I think you need that a little bit. You need somebody who's kind of a throwback. You need somebody who's going to go out there and be physical, who's going to stand up for his teammates. He tends to bleed a lot. And he really does leave it on the ice every time he plays. And so to get him for Rick Nash, and Nash, again, certainly he was not going to be part of the Rangers' rebuild. He was declining rapidly. He was getting towards his mid-30s there. Just an awesome job by Jeff Gorton here to, to bring in Ryan Lindgren among some other players here. Now, obviously, Ryan Spooner is no longer with this team, but the Rangers traded him 
in exchange for Ryan Strom. And Strom, now, you guys have seen what he's done this year, having a career season for the Rangers. So, in an indirect way, this Nash trade also led to the Rangers getting Ryan Strom. So, basically, look at it this way. The Rangers had Rick Nash, and now they have Ryan Lingren and Ryan Strom. Yeah, we win. And I don't think it's even up for debate, especially when you consider Nash's lack of production with the Bruins. And again, he only spent half of a season there, but he skated in just 11 games in the regular season with the Bruins, three goals and three assists. He then also played with them in the postseason that year, and he scored three goals and had two assists in 12 games. So, I mean, not terrible numbers. I mean, he had a couple of points there, but the Bruins gave up quite a bit just to have Rick Nash play a total of 23 games for them. And you do feel bad for Rick Nash because he had to retire prematurely. January 11, 2019, he announced his retirement due to unresolved concussion symptoms. You really do have to feel bad for him, first and foremost, because concussions are a very serious matter. But then from a hockey perspective, you know, Rick Nash right now is only 35 years old. So you got to figure that he would probably still be playing somewhere else in this league. But facts are facts. The Rangers do come out on top in this trade by quite a landslide and just a great job by Gorton getting such a haul for someone who wasn't getting any younger and who seemed to be on his way out the door for the Rangers anyway. And I also mentioned the Ryan Spooner for Ryan Strom trade. I thought about putting that on this list as its own separate entry, but I had to cap this list at some point. I thought top eight was a good place to stop it. So rather than have two separate entries here, one of these trades led directly to the other one. So I figured just put them all together and make it into one really strong entry. Again, Rick Nash brings in Ryan Lingren and Ryan Spooner and Matt Bolesky and two draft picks. And then Spooner brings in Ryan Strom. So to me, these two trades kind of go hand in hand with each other. You can't have the second one without having the first one. And yeah, I, I just figured let's just lump them all together, make it one really strong entry here. So we'll stop the list right there for today, and we will have numbers four through one, the four through one best moves of the Jeff Gorton era. That will be coming out in a future episode. Today is Tuesday. It's not going to be Wednesday's episode because in Wednesday's episode, we're going to talk obviously quite a bit about the Rangers game tonight, Tuesday night against the St. Louis Blues, taking on the defending Stanley Cup champions at 7 p.m. tonight in Madison Square Garden. And I'm going to do my best moving forward, guys, to not always say tomorrow and tonight and yesterday and today because I realize that can get confusing. A lot of times I record this episode you know, the day before it comes out, and maybe you guys are listening to the episode a day or two after it came out. So I'm going to do my best to refer to every day as, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, rather than yesterday, today, tomorrow. But yes, today is Tuesday, and you just heard the 8 through 5 best moves of the Jeff Gorton era since he became the Rangers general manager. And in a future episode, it will not be Wednesday's episode, but in a future episode, we will finish the countdown with numbers 4 through 1. That might be one of the episodes that comes out next week. We'll see how everything shakes out here. But yes, Wednesday's episode will involve mostly breaking down the game against the St. Louis Blues, and that is happening tonight, Tuesday night. So obviously the Rangers have a big test there. Again, taking on the defending Stanley Cup champions in the Garden, trying to snap a two-game losing streak. And the Blues are hot right now. They are 39-17-10. That's good for 88 points. That is the best in the Western Conference, and they come in with a seven-game winning streak. So the Rangers obviously have their work cut out for them in this one, but it is an excellent challenge and a great opportunity to get this thing back on track because if the Rangers do end up making the playoffs, and again, it could go either way, but everything for the Rangers still right in front of them, you know, as far as where they are in the standings. So if the Rangers, once again, if they do make the Stanley Cup playoffs, 
tonight's game will be a season-defining performance. If they get this win tonight and then go on to make the playoffs, it will be a season-definer because they're going up against a team that, quite frankly, is better than they are. And I hate to say that, but I got to be honest on here. The Blues won the Stanley Cup for a reason last year. They're on top of the Western Conference this year for another reason. And it's it's one of those things you just got to find a way. You got to dig down and find a way. Alex Georgiev going to be back in net for the Rangers, and we'll just keep our fingers crossed and hope we can come back here on Wednesday and talk about how the Rangers turned back the Stanley Cup champions, snapped their seven-game winning streak, and came away with a huge, huge two points in the standings. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And absolutely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. I will see you next time.